Bingo. All right. So um, I'd like to welcome uh, welcome all the listeners to this um, to this new uh, experimental podcast that I'm I'm running today, where I've been invited a number of women to come on and have a, an opportunity to talk about what their, their experiences of, of men, what have been, what have been the, uh, your experiences, and I'm saying that to the, the woman on the call, but also to any woman who's listening, what have been your experiences to, uh, um, of being in the presence of men? How, how has the, uh, the movement Me Too uh, influenced you? What what do you have to say about it? You know, all these are really interesting questions that I, as a male, um, would really like to to hear more about. And and as I expressed in the last podcast, I, I think that the first place that most men need to start is actually taking a bit of time to to listen to women and hear what they have to say. We even try to respond or or come up with a solution. So. We've got um, five women um, who have all volunteered to spend, take some time to to share their experiences of of being with men and and how 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 it has um, influenced them through their lives. So I'm going to take a back seat in this for the for the rest of this podcast and allow um, each one of these women to speak and to tell their stories and. Who knows where this is going to go, but I'm, I'm really curious and I'm really grateful for, for each one of you for taking the time to be, to be here today. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back out now and each one of them, each, each, each woman is going to introduce themselves and, and tell a bit of their story. So over to you, over to you, gals, guys, women, folks, whoever, however you want to do that. Um, I'm passing the baton to whoever would like to go first. Okay. I think I, I'd like to be called I, a lady. Okay. Lady. I think you oh. lady. Okay. Lovely. You lady. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm happy to go first. I can. Okay. Can you see me? Okay. Um, so I'm Kate Thomas. I'm Australian. I grew up in inner city Melbourne in a loving family, two older brothers. Um, I used to go to football a lot with my cousins when I was younger. And when I was 12, I was raped by an older man at the football. I didn't tell anybody, but it seemed like not long after that, um, my experience with men, with men was um, mostly sexual experience. My brother's older friends got stuck into me a lot in all sorts of ways. Um, and they were very devious and sneaky about how they did that. Um, and so then moving into young adulthood, I, I um, relationships were about sex, I guess. Um, fast forward and fast track, my daughter was raped when she was 13. Um, so I've had an experience in my early life and then in now my later life um, and a relationship with rape. Um, and I also have a son. And so this is, I want to quickly get to that point um, and I can come back and talk about those experiences later. But um, Lou, stop it. When, when Malcolm and I were talking about this a while ago, um, I, I've had a really strong um, 
I guess, reaction to this Me Too campaign because I have a son and he is a beautiful young man who I have been grooming since he was old enough to understand the word no, um, that no means no. And I have, um, I have gorgeous brothers, one's passed away and, and my father was a gentleman and I have many really conscious, gorgeous male friends. Um, and, I, and I have felt compassion for the men in this Me Too campaign. Um, and I feel like I'm a minority in that because not all men um, treat women in that way. And I feel that um, as, as women and potentially mothers or aunties or grandmothers or, or friends of friends or, or whatever other children that we can actually make um, a difference through education with, with men at a really early age. So I guess that was my interest in coming on board was to put a voice in there for men what I've been hearing through my male friends experience since this Me Too campaign is that they're feeling a little like 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 it, all men are being grouped in together um, that all men behave in in a bad way and that they feel like they're being pushed out of the conversation so I congratulate Malcolm for bringing us together men and women um, into that space. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Hard act to follow. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I have, I, obviously there's a lot more depth to that conversation, mm. but um, I don't see myself as a victim. Unfortunately, my daughter doesn't either. We experienced that and, um, in fact, the legal road that we've been down with my daughter and her rapist is one of, um, of, of trying to find a way for him to see that his behaviour is, 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 not, is not right because he's come from a really bad, bad background. He had bad role models and, you know, and so rather than incarcerating him, trying to rehabilitate to a point where he actually understands that what he's done is wrong, you know. So then, the, uh, coming from a place of compassion, I guess, for all of the years that men have been poorly educated, and I'm talking thousands of years, maybe, <laughs> maybe tens of thousands of years. Who knows? We could get all spiritual about that. But. Mm. Kate, I, I don't necessarily need to go first, but I just want to say, wow, that was an awesome way to open this conversation. And um, I just really want to, you know, acknowledge your bravery. I don't know if you know anybody else on the call apart from Mal, but, um, you know, I'm just totally moved by hearing you share that story and that story of your daughter. And as the mother of daughters, I'm just blown away by your compassion around the experience and, and, and that, that man and um, the respect you, you have for men and what you've just spoken about. And I, I personally agree um, that a lot of men are terrified around this kind of Me Too conversation. And I know there was some dialogue on the little bit of messaging we had around, um, you know, why aren't men speaking up? And it was quite um, strong. And I know that men in my life are terrified of saying the wrong thing. And so they'd rather not say anything. Um, and, um, yeah, I just want to, I just want to acknowledge your, your compassion and your respect. Awesome. Thank you. 
Yes, thank you for sharing your story. I can definitely relate. And um, also just, it's just, it just always amazes me how much like our lives parallel our children's lives too. Like in my, you know, just my experience, like a lot of times trauma, like in my family, it seems that traumas that have happened to my parents end up happening to me at some point. Um, and I'm terrified that that might happen to my son as, you know, like I was also a victim of um, sexual abuse as a child. So I'm particularly sensitive because my son is four and just afraid that because it happened to me, um, that in some way I like, I'm attracting that sort of person mm -hmm. into my life because I'm used to them or I, I'm familiar with that kind of person. Does that make sense yeah. at all? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and that I don't, I don't want to attract that, but at the same time I do. And um, so this is my biggest fear as a parent now is like bringing in somebody that could potentially harm my child and myself further. Um, Cause all of my life, I, because it happened at such a young age, I feel like I've attracted these people who have attacked me. I've become, um, attacked me in, you know, whether it be verbally or physically, um, uh, if there was some sort of, I, I don't, I don't exactly know what, you know, what I was projecting, but I felt like I was mm -hmm. always in the sort of victim place. Not that I saw myself as a victim, but that I was always getting into these situations. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's really... I don't know the way out. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 as an adult, I don't feel like I'm in so much in that role now, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm always growing and learning. Yeah. It's a, it's a spiritual path, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, my son is calling me. He's <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Have we lost Deborah now, or is no? I just um, <laughs> I guess I guess just further to that, I could say that I I think that young children, um, and I think this in all aspects of young children, that they're never too young to learn about the concepts that we're talking about here and now. So, um, you know, right or wrong, from a very early age, as soon as my children were old enough to walk, I had the joys of sex on the coffee room table you know at head height they could open up that book and have a look at it at any time and so those sort of images were very familiar to them but it was also a very open conversation in the family from a very 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 young age um, and I think when you live in cultures like Bali and and in your in the villages you know these these young children are confronted with um, just 
this, this sort of thing all of the time. It's, it's natural. These conversations we need to have about um, sex and body imaging and all of that sort of stuff has to happen from a really early age so that it's not taboo subjects and we, we get to know and understand and respect our body, our sexuality, our sensuality from a really, really, really young age. So it becomes part of the fabric of who we are rather than this mystique. What age are you, what age are you um, referring to when you say young age? Oh, well, I had, I had it on the, the coffee table, you know, just, I guess, for them to look at. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I understand, you know, my daughter, obviously she was raped at 13. Um, despite us having multiple conversations about this from a really early age. Um, but she also was able to come and tell me and we were able to work through it yeah. and do stuff about it straight away too. So it didn't go on lingering, which I understand from my experience. I told my mother 12 months ago, she's 82. She had no idea, yeah. you know. So it's just about opening up the conversations and and um and more education yeah. i feel mm. yeah i think also um a lot of well for me i mean my abuse happened when i was i was like four so i didn't really know how to verbally express what was happening mm. and um mm. i had a younger sibling that was also abused so um that was particularly traumatic. I felt very guilty um, mm. that he was abused more than I was. Um, and so uh, there was, yeah, I didn't really understand what was happening. I, I felt uncomfortable with the situation. I relayed that to my parents um, who misinterpreted the information. So then there was all of this trauma around just, you know, having said something and then nothing being done about it. Um, the person went to jail for child abuse, child sexual abuse, uh, for another child, actually, not for mm -hmm. my brother and I, but, um, yeah, so I was, I guess, told maybe from a young age that if I said something that it wasn't, that's just nothing was really going to be done. Yeah. So, so I tended not to, to speak up or just or I just didn't even acknowledge that something wrong was happening, mm. that I was being, you know, mistreated. Um, so I'm all, I'm also discovering this as I'm talking about it. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. In some way it's, it's a, a little bit of therapy for me. Cathartic. Yeah. And I, I think that um, what's, what's coming up for me, Olivia, is um, how do children of that age even have the language? You said, you know, you didn't feel that um, what you said was taken seriously and, and it was perhaps misconstrued somehow by your parents. But, um, you know, when, when abuse starts at a very young age, how can children even begin to have language around expressing you know what's what's happening and um, I know from my um, experiences um, totally different situation but as, a, as an adoptee um, not having language as a 10-day-old baby around being handed to strangers um, yeah. is 
inability to process the experience because there's no language attached to it at that age. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. I don't know what the answer is to that, but it's almost, you know, going back to what you were saying, Kate, having that visual representation on your coffee table to start dialoguing at a very young age or asking questions at a young age, it's almost how do we introduce language at the earliest possible age for our boys and girls to talk about this stuff. Um, it's all very natural to me, it seems, that even in the situation with you and, and being adopted, that even if you couldn't actually understand the words being spoken at that age, the energy of somebody passing that information and the intention of the way that they give it to you, there just becomes mm. this communal understanding. And I feel like I, I feel like children are way more capable of what um, of what they can absorb that what we give them credit for. Mm. Mm. And you know, in, that's in all aspects of life, <laughs> something I've learned a huge amount from Mal, to be honest, around this is that that experience stays in your body. And so your body is processing it and your body has its own internal language around those experiences. But then, you know, we push, push that down by not being able to verbalize it in a language form. Um, so that ability to teach our children to stay do we teach it? It's intuitive um, to stay tuned in to that bodily experience and response mm. and that gut instinct. And, you know, how do we stop our, our young people from losing that ability? Mm. Yeah. Education. Hey, just while there's a pause, I just want to say hello. I'm Angela Murphy and I've called in late. I didn't want to be creepily listening without you knowing I was here. Hi. Welcome, hello. Angela. Well, welcome, Angela. Hello. Hey, um, Hi. And Hi. I'll just, I'll just um, fill you in with what's happening at the moment. We, we've just, we're, we're, only, we're only about uh -huh. 15 minutes in, so you're not too late. And, and <laughs> we, we've, everybody's kind of uh, just starting by introducing themselves and, and sharing their experience around, um, you know, wh wh why, you've, why you've wanted to get on this call and what have you been your experiences in relation to men um, and, and and in particular, me too. So you know, we're just kind of we're just kind of that that's the introductory question, and then it's just ro we're just rolling with it from there. So I'm I'm going to back out again. Thanks, and, Malcolm. And so you can uh, when when you get a chance, just feel free to introduce yourself and yeah, give us a, some of your some of your store backstory. Okay, well I'm hands free on a 45 minute drive, so I'm good. I'm good to go. Well, tell us about yourself. Oh, Angela. me? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, we're right in there. <laughs> okay. Look, the reason why I was interested in participating is I think there's women having these conversations all over the world right now, but I don't see any that have been orchestrated by men. And mm. I think that that is the missing vital piece that we've got to have guys on board that um, seeking to understand, that are seeking to... Um, to help us and recognize that you know they've got an important part to play obviously in, in, in improving the situation and so for me um, that's that's my primary reason and I you know I'm so thankful for you Malcolm to be sticking your neck out there um, and experiencing what it feels like because women we stick our, our neck out there all the time on these issues um, and uh, feel like we're not being heard or 
respected and um, you've probably experienced a bit of that. Um, so yeah, I, I think that if you're a woman, I don't know any woman who haven't, hasn't experienced any adverse um, uh, reaction to simply being female in the world. So, I, I mean, I won't have a story that's any worse or better or different from anyone else. I'm pissed off with the level of discrimination that I get, even from people who are in my environment that are loving and caring and have no idea that they're, just like that, have no idea that they're being discriminating to like my mother-in-law who I adore but who calls my three-year-old bossy it's just this um ingrained um unfairness and it's um it's so unevenly weighted and I think it is actually being addressed and beginning to change and I think we have Trump to thank for a lot of that frankly I think he's freaked everybody out so much and made women in particular so angry that there is a massive change happening. So, yeah, that's what I'm here. And I, I'm interested to just, I think that if every six women, so how many on this call? Six women. Imagine right now, if every six women on the planet and one guy was having this conversation, the world would be a different place tomorrow. So that's why I'm here talking about it. We can't fix the entire world, but we can just fix our little circles of influence, I guess. Mm. That's all. Can I, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here, Ange, cause I, I'm curious to know if you can share some personal, you know, some personal examples for you yourself about what it's being a woman um, around men. <laughs> I live with two men and, and we work from home. We have a commercial production company and we have um, two guys that work for us. <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting, just on a really basic level, <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous, but why, why do they, why is it because I have a vagina, everyone looks at me at lunchtime and wonders where their lunch is. What the hell is that? I mean, that's not, I mean, that's, what is that? Why is it that you automatically get assigned these tasks in an office? I don't do them, by the way. But why is that? Like, how come in an office the women are getting the lunches? Why? Is it because we do it? So I've been reading up on that recently, and I've read that actually in a professional environment, to kind of maintain your mana and and respect, you've actually got to not come to the meeting with baking, which I would have done when I was 20, but I saw a, um, an agency producer do it the other day, and I was like, whoa, you're offering up your banana bread, and you've just given away all your power. And you know what? That is annoying at the same time, because I'm like, why shouldn't a woman be allowed to be feminine and do what she loves to do and bring baking, baking to a meeting, and yet she does? I could see it happen. Her the respect for her dropped in the room. Anyway, um, I, did a, uh, I did a I saw a survey that a uh, woman drew. I live in Australia, but I'm a Kiwi, so I, I stay in touch with all the Kiwi news. And I did a, um, I saw a survey. I think you change lanes about causing an accident. Oh, God, harder than it looks. Just a minute. I did a survey that women's refuge did. They just wanted an anonymous survey on women's relationships and 
whether they'd been, you know, abusive or not. And um, I started to catalogue all my relationships from when I was 14. And I really, really by the end of it. So aside from the, you know, the, the, the sexual abuse when I was a kid, which just seems normal because doesn't that happen to everyone? Um, I realized that I'd been in so many relationships where the behavior from the guy was actually abusive. And I didn't even realize at the time until I started to categorize it. And this was about last October, so it was right when the Me Too thing was kicking in and I just saw it all with fresh eyes. And I was horrified that I grew up in a um, well-off, middle-class white family with two feminist mothers and yet I'd walked into this world where like probably one one and two boyfriends were abusive or did something abusive or behaved abusively and I thought it was normal. I got punched in the face at the U2 concert by a boyfriend. I've, I've been to the police so many times when I've been hit by boyfriends and stuff and nothing ever happened and I just began to think it was normal. Anyway, I'm happily married now with an extremely understanding and loving husband, but I, I'm just disturbed at the normality of the way that women are treated from having to organize lunch in the office to getting punched in the face of a U2 concert and no one doing anything. Like, oh, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can definitely it's, relate. This is the normality of it. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'd, definitely the um the sort of the mental burden that women are sort of left with to manage the house to manage the affairs of feeding um uh, or taking care of things around the office like you just mentioned um i i don't really understand why uh women have been pushed into that role time and again um it's if we don't do it it doesn't get done and and then that's but we carry that burden for some reason, like, I don't, and I, but I don't think it's, it's natural. I don't think that there's, that we, I, men are totally capable of doing it. They just look to us to, to do it. It's that whole emotional labor thing. And I got really angry with that for a while. And I'm lucky that I've got a really understanding husband, but we had a few rows over it. It's like, do you have any of our neighbors phone numbers? No. So when we need them to babysit, why is it my job? She's your daughter yeah. too. You yeah. know, so, and I think, it's, I, think so I guess what I'm getting at, because I'm only talking about little things, but what I think is, is it's, and it was like the, um, the thing that was at Brianna dropped about calling women guys. I think that it's these tiny little things with the loving and supportive men in our life that we have to carefully but firmly correct it will straighten out I think that will have a flow on effect because I think that the, the utter disrespect for girls and women which ends in their rape and murder basically because that's as bad yeah. as it gets yeah it starts there's a slippery slope and you can say it starts with a slap but I'll say it starts with expecting the women to pick up the coffee cups after the meeting it's just that tiny little or calling them guys. And I know that that is really extreme, but I, I'm just going to assume I'm in a safe place to talk about this. The calling women guys and the rape and murder of women, I'm not equating those. And I'm not saying that one leads to the other. And yet what I'm saying is there's a systematic disrespect for women as autonomous entities that have equal rights. So that's 
called not being a feminist. And I feel that gently straightening the course in terms of the way that we speak about our daughters and the way that our uh, boys treat each other and our daughters and then the way that the men in our lives just opening their eyes to the very uh, insidious and simple things that they do that actually enforce the inequality that we have with them is a way to get them over that first little hurdle and make them realize that what we're, the big things that we're talking about are real and look, we do them in our own little way at home or in the office. I think that's where I've got with this is that we, we, we're almost overwhelmed by the scale of what needs to be done, but I think there is a way to get it done. And it is with these very small steps with things that, you know, and again, you get dismissed. Oh, that's not a big deal. Stop making a fuss. And that in itself is usually sexist and dismissive. But I, I do think that uh, being firm on these little things will grow to enabling those around us to be firm on the bigger thing. So, um, Angela, it's Brigitte, and um, I'm the one who made the comment about guys and sent the article Oh, the around. hey, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, gosh, I can hear the passion in your voice, and um, there's so many points you're making where I'm kind of nodding. Um, and, you know, you, you post... I'm angry about it. <laughs> yeah, that, and um, you are in a safe forum to express that. Um, but... Yeah, there's no but. It's just, um, I guess the point you made about, you know, where does this come from? Why are we the ones who are gathering the, the coffee cups and being looked to at lunchtime? And my experience is that it's it's pure socialisation from the minute boys and girls mm. come out of the mm. womb. So, you know, my, my mm. reason mm. so so I've studied cultures where um, women uh, run the show and men are the ones who would gather up the coffee cups if they had coffee cups in the Amazon or wherever they're based. So it's not a genetically programmed mm. thing. All cultures mm. Oh, yeah. Like but there's, a, there's an, an enormous... Apparently, boys that... Mm. I, I was just going to say, there's an enormous... Sorry, carry on. ...the socialisation in our, our Western culture and we're not here to kind of necessarily revisit that, but... Um, you know, the research, I do a lot of work coaching women um, and it breaks my heart that there are still not just women my age and older who go into meetings and feel that sense of intimidation and not good enough with men. But I'm working now with a lot of young, you know, 20, early 20 year old women who are still yeah. really struggling with this piece and, and, and genuinely feeling um, that they have to adapt and mold themselves to, to suit a male environment. And I do a lot of work around well, who are you as a leader? What is, you know, don't try and mould yourself as a male leader. How can we take the essential nature of your feminism, for example, and put that on display? Yeah. But I guess yeah. what really worries me most is that I have two teenage daughters and I would call myself a staunch feminist from way back. And mm. that was driven by having not a mother, but a father who put a banner on our fridge saying girls can do anything, you know, back in the, the 70s, 80s. And yeah. I am raising girls who don't seem to care about this conversation. 
And I know that's because they're being socialized in their peer groups and outside of my influence around fitting in and molding. And, um, you know, a little example this week, my, I said to the others before, my eldest daughter's just got her first leadership role. She's sports captain in her high school, year 13, and she has a, a male equivalent. And all of the prefects and sports captains and all the leaders of the school, um, the local paper came in to take their photographs. So there's a, you know, a head boy and girl and a head of house boy and girl. And um, brace yourself, ladies, but the photographer just about all of the girls were taller than the boys. And my own daughter is six foot. She's a netballer, she's a sporty kid. She was way taller than the male. And um, they got the boys to stand on boxes so that in the photographs, they didn't look equal in height to the girls, but they were actually taller than the girls. Wow. To Zoe, my God, what did wow. you do about this? Yeah. And she said, nothing. I didn't. What really did she think? It. What did she, she think thought, about? No. She thought it was wrong, but not wrong enough to actually say anything. And when I was her age in the school, oh. I would have launched a fucking protest in my school about something like that. And I would have had a bunch of sisters out there with me, you know, parading with placards. But they just don't seem to care in the way that I was raised to care about this stuff. So I don't, I'm not even posing a question. It's just I'm almost at the point of despairing that we're ever going to really see change around this. Um, I feel I've raised my girls to care about an issue like being made to look shorter than the boys. Can I, can I comment? Sure. Hello? Wow. Hello? I've had the benefit of... of um, of having three generations. I've got grandchildren. And um, so it's, I just wanted to backtrack. I remember as a little girl, my mother would get dressed for dinner when my father came home. <laughs> I would prepare hors d'oeuvres for my father and his martini when he walked in the doors. Anyone seen Mad Men? That yep. was what I grew up with, right? <laughs> and my mother was a staunch feminist, but that was, so when you talk about where we've come from, so I, I was in a 50s, yeah. so I grew up late 50s, early 60s, and that was normal. Mad Men, when I watched it, yeah. I went, oh my God. I mean, that was, yeah. I grew up. Yeah. My grandmother came from yeah. Poland and ran an empire, not speaking English. So I came from a very strong matriarchal family where it was never, I was stupid because I was stupid. I was dyslexic. I I was the short kid. I'd be, I would love to have had that stall to stand on. I would have done anything to offend me. So, you know, there's always a side. So just to give a little bit of hope seeing the generations, I took my little four-year-old granddaughter mm -hmm. to Westfield last year and we walked through the makeup section and we got very excited because we put lipstick on. Well, I came home and my son bailed me out so far, so badly. He was so angry and I'm like, hey. Because he didn't get to no, because he said what I'm doing is programming that if she wears lipstick, she's going to be pretty. And I'm going, okay, wow. I'm not arguing, but I'm just going, I get it. I actually get it. On the one hand, mm. we're yeah. just playing dress-ups, but on the other hand, that four-year-old has walked through the cosmetics in Westfield going, if I put lipstick on, I'm going to be pretty. So that's the generation yeah. My son's family, 
it's everything is equal. Absolutely everything is equal. Jenny went off and did a four-day girls' weekend and got, got pissed and had fun with her girlfriends and Jake looked after two little kitties. Uh, he would cook a meal. There is complete equality in, in their family environment. The same with, with my daughter. My kids are in their, in their 30s. And Rebecca's 36, Jake's 33. But Jenny, Jenny actually has an office in town because she says, I don't want to work from home. I want to take myself seriously. So she was an account director yeah. and these are 30 year old. No? So there is hope out there. There is absolute hope, but they're not doing yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. They're just doing it. This is normal for them. And yet they've got misogynist friends that get drunk, but there is a whole generation of, and I can't say this word, so forgive me, millenniums, millenniums, whatever they are. And they are, they are, I believe that the millenniums, the M's, are the ones that are going to change everything because they're tech savvy, they're, they're, they're equal in the way they see men and women. And the women don't put up with shit, but they don't get aggressive about it. They pick their battles. And I think that's yeah. what I say about the guys, about your daughter standing on the box. You've got to pick your battles. And, you know, obviously you've raised Zoe to be an incredibly... Um, well-rounded, confident woman. But if she picks her battle over a photograph or, you know, it'll be curious if you could go back and ask her what battles does she pick because you've got to choose those battles, you know. Mm -hmm. so I guess my worry, it's, Deborah, it's not about with what I see with particularly, you know, coaching these young executive women in their early 20s as opposed to dealing with my own teenagers is... Um, I thought we were the ones making the difference. You know, no. I think the conversation no. was so strong back when I was growing up in the in the seventies and eighties. I I thought things would look different before now. Um, and when you know, it's 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 back to what Angela was saying about those subtleties of language. So your family could be doing this incredible job around um, in their home equality and and and, and role modelling some cool stuff. It feels like we haven't quite reached that tipping point when they go out into society and they go out out into the education system, um, and. I'm not sure what is going to create, you know, maybe this me too thing is creating the tipping point. Change is gradual. Change. Yeah. What, what Malcolm is doing now is yeah. education. We don't wake up tomorrow and go, okay, there's equality. I'll mm. give you an example. Um, like this, I was um, drugged and molested by a family psychiatrist when I was 15. Um, I, I, got dark shadows that I don't even know about. I was put out at the age of four into my family's cocktail parties, handing out hors d'oeuvres. So I was dressed up and told to perform. But that was, that was my reality, that was normal. I also got on the diving board and performed in sport and I also did. What I'm going to say, the, the downside of being drugged and, and, and badly molested when I was 15, I never took drugs, you know? I was very cautious. I, my antenna was so astute from that moment on that, you know, I, I, it also shut down a huge part of me as well. So there's both sides. But what's really shocked me as a 60-year-old woman is what I put up with now because that programming about pleasing the male 
and not wanting to make a fuss, which is, it came up in the other conversations, is, mm. you know, I had a man staying with me that I made it very clear that there was no sexual relationship between us a few weeks ago. And yet he persisted in walking around naked. And I found that really offensive. I don't want to see his dick. I'm not emotionally attached to the man. I don't want to fuck him, right? Very clear. But yet he kept walking around. And then he came. And I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. You know, I'm a six-year-old woman. He's in my home. He's walking around naked. He's rubbed cock up and down me. And I didn't say anything. So, I mean, who's to blame in that situation if there's blame? I didn't say, I didn't say, and I think I probably did. I probably went, oh, Trev, do you mind covering up? You know, I probably said something like, but I didn't want to make a deal about it because I didn't want to have anxiety. And, and I was talking to some women last night. We had a beautiful event here last night. Kate was, Kate was here. And they all looked at me and they just went, what? Why? But that's my shit. That's my shit because I want to be liked, you know? I want to be appreciated. I want to be adored. So that's my shit to work out. The fact that Trevor was inappropriate was a great lesson for me to look at myself and go, wow, what are my values? What is, what is appropriate and inappropriate behaviour? Where am I so insecure that I can't risk? But I come from that different generation. So getting back to my children, my, my nie uh, nieces, my cousin's kids were part of the Mr. Bubbles thing back in the, uh, in the, well, my kids are 80s, late 80s, early 90s. And it was the first big child molestation um, cases. There were preschools where the children not only were uh, molested, but there was, that was, was satanic and it was, it was very, very evil. So it was, it was a very sad period. But what it did was a little bit like the Me Too. It brought up pedophilia happens. You know, it's not, it's not a closed topic. So I brought my children up very clearly from about the age of four. Nobody can touch their bodies. Nobody. The only person that can, yeah. can touch their bodies is yeah. themselves and they've got the right to say no. None yeah. of my children have ever been molested because that was ingrained into them at such an early age that, yes. you know, their body was theirs to choose. Now, my daughter's fucked around. She's done all sorts of stuff, but she's never been molested. It was always on her terms what she wanted to do. Yeah. She, yeah. she got drunk and, and, and took drugs and slept with guys. It was her choice, you know? And that's another story altogether of her disavowing her femininity or whatever. So, I mean, that's, that's just... All, all I'm saying is that because I'm old, the ability to look back and everything that everybody is doing here, Brigitte, you're empowering the women, Angela, the way you're, the cakes or the not cakes. You know, some people love baking and that woman who bakes the cakes has got to go in there and realise that's her passion. The fact that she loves cakes and bring it in, it's her passion. And she's got to work on herself and go, I'm not going to be demeaned because I love baking cakes. And yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. So it's then up to the other women to go, wow. I mean, I wish I could bake. I can't bake a cake. I don't know. I'd love someone to bake me cakes. I don't care where it comes from. I don't care if it's a man or a woman. So it's, it's up to us now as, 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 as leading women to empower when somebody does something that's in the feminine and nurturing to not lose that because that is our beauty. Our beauty yeah. is our nurturing. 
That is our fundamental difference between men. And the other thing, you know, who picks up the coffee cups? Yes, we just don't do it. It's hard not yeah. to because it's ingrained. Yeah. But all yeah. our brains are different. Men's brains are square. They're lots and lots of boxes. And those boxes don't connect. So in order <laughs> to talk to a you've got to put it work that a man can understand but you don't know? you love it that we have to put it into a framework that they can understand there are no men yes. meeting today yes. talking yes. about putting things in a framework that women can understand <laughs> Angela, i hate to say this we're smarter <laughs> we're more connected men are great at fighting wars men are brain waves of a man can educate them to be more sensitive but our it's it's a proven fact a woman's brain is like a mush of like a million mm, electrical wires going everything is interconnected we're sitting here i'm texting doing 16 different things like we probably all are i'm thinking mm. about, okay how am i going to do that that's how my brain works i can multitask in my brain you know mm. which is not necessarily good a man will do one task he'll do it well Move on to the next part. Yeah. I, yeah. I, agree with, I agree with Deb. I think that we have to, first of all, the comment about the banana bread and moving the coffee cups, I think the behaviour will continue as long as we allow it. I don't necessarily see that as the men's fault. I think it's... Weird. No, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the other comment about the banana bread is when the air conditioning goes bung, who do we call to get off onto the ladder with the screwdriver? Thank you. You know, Thank you. I, 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 from a men's perspective, and as I said before, I have a son who's incredibly handy with tools and, and an ex-husband and, and a new partner. Um, there's shit outside that I don't want to do. So I'm pretty happy to put the coffee cups away. Oh, look, whatever. I'm, I really want to, I'm, but by, I'm that, totally the same. Well, yeah. Um, but I just, I'm the same, I just, but I, what was interesting to me is that she lost her power when she did that. I could see it happen in the room. That's mm. what interested me about it. Whereas a man but, doesn't lose his power when he gets up to fix, you know, the, the, so then the blind and the meeting. It's responsibility but, to re-empower her from the feminine. But mm. that was, like Brigitte was saying before, I feel that for her daughter, she's done such a beautiful job. It's not an issue for them. So... This, this idea of whether the boys are made taller or shorter, they're, they're so comfortable in their place um, and their role in this, this community and society that they live in that it's not an issue for them. And if it's not an issue for them, it's not an issue. If they, if they came home and said, oh, my God, I felt so small because they tried to make the boys taller, then, you know, again, they, their behaviour is going to continue as long as we allow it. If it becomes an issue, we have to educate our children to speak up and say, this is an issue for me. And, I don't and that, want you to put him on it, you know. And That, that, but, was, that was the issue for, for me. Um, yeah, is that but it was for you. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. right. So she said oh, it wasn't she did. fair, it wasn't right. Mm -hmm. And when I said, but why did you girls not speak up about it? Um, mm -hmm. She said, um, I, I, I don't know if anybody else noticed that it wasn't right so they hadn't kind of come together as a community of girls to share that that was yeah but my own daughter noticed it do you think it would have made a difference if the photographer was female or male oh that's a really good question the photographer mm. was male um mm. 
and so it was, was it about his smallness and his height i don't know i'm just asking you know we yeah we have so I, many I, different I layers here absolutely don't know but i do agree with what a couple of people have said that um it's about standing strong and being empowered in who you are as a person male or female so the whole i'm really interested angela that banana bread story what was actually going on outside of banana bread being presented that meant that woman's power was drained away how was she presenting it how was she within herself you know what else was going on that someone else might have presented banana bread and held on to her power um because i think that's the more interesting question um yeah. It was just, I don't know, it was just interesting to me because it's a very professional environment, kind of high stakes. And it showed that she had, where, you know, catering was all provided, you know, everyone just comes in and looks after you. And yet she'd gone and done this thing. And it showed that she had spent her own money, given of her own time, um, made herself vulnerable, I suppose. And I, look, I'm not saying it was right or wrong. It was just fascinating to me. And it just, it almost, I hate to say that it was unprofessional because I just think that's kind of beside the point. It was just, I don't know. She just, the, the respect went. She just seemed, became childlike, like immature. I don't know. It was weird. I, I haven't fully formed my ideas of it. So it's interesting to have bounced it around here but it was, it was extraordinary to observe. And I've yeah, done it so yeah, many it times. And I would never do it now. I would never do it now. Because, it, look, take it for what you want. But it's not a power move for me. Not that I'm into power moves. But as a, a company owner and a producer, I would not turn up to a meeting with baking now. People just look at me like, what the hell are you doing? Right or wrongly. Yeah. Um. Can we can we return because this really resonates me with me uh, back to the like why we're not saying anything to people that are doing things that are offensive to us like you know the example that you gave um, I'm sorry the Deborah um, about the man uh, walking around your house naked um, and then yeah. the other woman with the daughters uh, well, uh, not do you know what huh. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just gonna make a suggestion in in a, in why like I in the past haven't spoken up, and mainly it's just because then I have to explain myself and my feelings, yep. and then yep. be validated by the person who is who is in a way like attacking me. You know, it's it's almost yeah. like I'm confronting my attacker or the person uh -huh. who's wronging me. And that puts me in an uncomfortable place. But also, I think there's been a lot of pressure to protect men and their egos. Mm -hmm. Yep, That's... you're right. <laughs> you're right. So I just wanted you know, to throw that, that in. That point, do you know how many men have also been raped and vilified? Sure, so we, yes. We think it's only just women. But no, no. I, I don't yeah, think anyone I, thinks that. But, they, but, you know, women are on the receiving end of much more violent violence and they're much more likely to be killed at the end of this. But it's not to discredit people who identify with other genders of men that it also happens to. But we are the thick end of the wedge. 
and by sorting it out for ourselves, I'm hoping that we will be able to sort it out for other people as well. But absolutely, of course, it happens to men as well. Mm. And very high proportions, a lot higher than I think we're aware of. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm personally finding it kind of terrifying that from what I've heard so far, Paul, I'm, I'm the only person who hasn't suffered any sort of abuse or being in relationships with anything but beautiful, amazing, wonderful, nurturing men. And But how awesome is that? And it's to be celebrated as well. And you should talk about that because it's encouraging for other people and for other, you know, it is. Like there is a there is an actual a place where you can get where it's okay. Yeah. It's good yeah. to talk about that. Don't ever feel mm. like, oh, I shouldn't mention that I have a great relationship because I don't want other people to feel bad. People need to be reminded that that is out there and it is achievable. And yeah, it's good. Well, I guess I, um, you know, just coming back to when Kate first introduced herself and I took, you know, I reflected how respectful that sounded and she's been through some huge challenges. Um, I think that we get really sidetracked by the them and us stuff and that, you know, their brains are different and theirs are so much more, and I, that, that research I find utterly fascinating, but it helps me to better understand men. And I've only really recently come to this, that um, I noticed that I'm wasting huge amounts of energy being pissed off about those differences, <laughs> rather than looking at how those differences can actually mm -hmm. be turned into superpowers mm -hmm. and how we can respectfully go forward together into a future where we celebrate those differences between mm. men and women. And it might sound very pie in the sky, but we would be so much fucking stronger if we stopped just worrying about how we're different and tried to find where we've got commonalities. I, I, yeah, um, I agree. I, I, um, my, my past life before I got to Bali, I was a real estate agent and I owned my own real estate company. And I used to get really pissed because to win respect of some of our vendors, I would actually have to step so much into my masculine that I'd be swearing. Mm -hmm. I'd have to, like if I dropped, I would be losing respect and attention and all of a sudden I'd drop a fuck or bloody or whatever into the conversation and then I'd get their attention and I'd change the tone of my mm -hmm. voice and start to speak really assertively and I'd grip their mm -hmm. hand and I'd shake them really hard, you know. And I, I spent a long time resenting that. And when I came here to Bali, I've spent many, many months praying to Lakshmi to they do yoga. So that's another side of me. But to draw in more of these feminine qualities to come back to the feminine. But Rob, my beautiful partner, has been pointing out to me that, you know, we have the masculine inside of us. And it's okay mm -hmm. to step into that when we need it. And similarly, the men have the feminine inside of them. And it's okay for them to step into that when they need it. They just need to be given permission to. And to if, if they could attach to that part of them, which is feminine, at a really early age and understand that and recognise it, they would see it when they see the woman. And I think it would really change our relationship with each other. We're not that different at all. I happen, happen to think, sorry, Deb, but I happen to disagree that we are good at multitasking. Um, we multitask, but... Often we're pretty shit at it because at the end of the day, we emotionally fry ourselves. Yeah, we, yes. You know, we yeah. just take on, I mean, I've, you know, we've all done that, being on the phone, kid on the hip, bloody just, you know, correcting homework and, and doing, the, doing the dinner. Like it, we can multitask and having a conversation with your partner in front of you 
you know, but and and at the same time, just the more absorbing all that emotional stuff. But at the end of the day, we often just run ourselves completely ragged, and then we leave our husbands or whatever, <laughs> you know, um, or have meltdowns or I don't know. I just <laughs> I this personal experience. I'm not that good at multitasking. I did it, but I wasn't that fucking good at it in the end. That's mm-hmm. for sure. But I think if we can teach our young children to, again, I just keep coming back to education and empowerment of both men and women, teach them that they have the feminine in them and the male. Yeah. I think it's such a good point, Kate, because to me it's it's where are you coming from and how you express your femininity or masculinity. And if you're... then that's a really different place than if it's just who you are kind of at your core. You know, I'm thinking about when I worked in London in the, you know, early 90s, and I had an Italian suit that was pinstriped, and I literally used to wear a tie with it. I worked in the financial sector. I put on every day to be more like the men with, you know, the shoulder pads and all the, the rest of it. And the idea of wearing a fluffy pink cardigan in that context was just no way would I would I you know I wouldn't have my armor on in that context but now I see young women this is what gives me some hope wearing pretty dresses and elegance and going in and running a board meeting yeah and where they're coming from with it yeah you know that's the education piece is you know whether you're a male who's got a lot of feminine qualities or or a woman who's got a lot of masculine qualities it's where are you coming from and are you being true to yourself yeah Exactly. Beautifully said. Malcolm, what uh, do you think of all of this? Yeah, Malcolm, I'm, I'm interested in knowing, because I, I've said this on the thread where you ask for people to talk about this. Um, where are the men? Are they talking about this or is it just us? Because 125 years ago, women were trying to get the vote. Women have not stopped talking about this. But where are the men? I think they don't care. <clears throat> yeah, see, I, um, I, don't, I don't think it's about not caring. I think, um, you know, I, I said it to you, I, I said it to you before that, um, I mean, it, it's a daunting, th- there's a number of different things. I, I think, on the subtle, you know, I mean, on, on the on the big scale, you know, the, the stuff around abuse and, you know, whether it's um, child abuse or um, sexual abuse and rape and even and even the stuff in the workplace like, um, you know, sexual discrimination and all that. I, I think I think there is. These are they're really big. I, I think just about well, every man I know is totally against it and will talk about it and aims to do stuff do stuff against it. So in that regard, I think you know, I, I, yeah, I, I think there's this huge action on the smaller stuff, on, you know, which is a lot of which has has come out a lot in this call. You know, like the talked about with the cakes and calling calling you guys and, and whatnot. I mean. I think that there's a lot of daunting. It's quite daunting, right? Because yeah, yeah, for a lot of guys, you know, it's like fuck. We've got a, you know, so much of this is unconscious behaviour. 
that I I've been brought up with and learned and and I and now I'm like, and I'm like fucking hell I've got to start you know so I think you know, like, fucking hell I've got to start watching what I'm saying I've got to start watching what I'm doing I'm like blah 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 so it's daunting and and that's the other we thing, do all the time yeah but but and the, and the other, exactly and the other thing that's daunting is that um you know like when you and I had that conversation online Angela like your your anger comes. As I'm reading it, your anger is kind of bouncing off the words that I'm reading, right? And and it's and it's not hard. It's not easy to hold somebody's anger. You know, it's easier to it's easier to 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 walk the other way or to 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 know that it's there and to keep doing something but to not engage. So one of the things that I know yeah. is that guys guys are doing stuff or they're conscious of it, but they're also not engaging because it's really hard. Yep. To, to sit in it. And, and that's not an excuse. I think men, I think men do need to man the fuck up and become more willing to engage in it. But I think that's part of what's happening. And to know, and to know what, another, another thing that Briggs actually said is really fucking true. A lot of men are disengaging from things like Facebook, la la la, because it's meaningless gossip. You know, in my opinion, it's meaningless gossip. Adds nothing to my life most of the time, so I'm not on there. So if I'm not on there, I'm not reading it, right? And and I think that's also a reality as well. You know. Uh, so, but but yeah. So, so that that's been my opinion. And and you know, and when, and and when I was read, when I was you know, when you and I were talking about this and on this call, you know, it's it is hard to sit here and, and to hear some of the stuff. And I, and I think it's really important. And so, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, yeah, that, that's been what I've been, that's been what I've been yeah. feeling and thinking. And, and I hear it and, and, and what I, and I do want to make changes. And I do also want to honor the masculine and the feminine. And I do want to have, I do want to have a space, a, a world where you feel, you, each one of you on the call feels safe to be who you are. I can be who I am. And I realize that we need to work to make that happen. It's not going to happen by just wishing it to happen. Mm. I had an interesting conversation with Alan about, about this a few nights ago. And it's, it, he, he said men have got to learn how to listen. And I mean, really listen. And then act. Because I used to have great dialogue with my second husband. But he would never act. So what's the point of someone listening if they don't actually do something about it? Even if it's safe, I'm trying to do something about it. I'm attempting to do something about it. So it's, I think the catch is if men could just listen and not just roll their eyes and go, okay, she goes today, she's premenstrual or she's being emotional, whatever. Understand that they may not understand what we're talking about in this often emotional um, portal, and then act, and then ask questions like, "How can that change be enacted?" When I do this, how that makes you feel? Yes, yes. So if I did do that, would you feel better? Yes or no? You know. So then put it into the framework that a man wants to be and have the two conversations marry up. Rather than a woman being very agitated and means, oh, you never listen to me, you never do anything I ask, da 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 da, da. 
because they've held it all in for so long, to be able to sit down and have real relationships on a regular basis. How do you feel when I behave like this as a woman to the man? You behave like that, I, get all, I don't know what to do, and I get all down, I get all down, I get all down, or whatever he may say. If I was to talk to you in this way, would that be it? Would you would you understand me? Again, it's and then being able to act on her, and then and then then committing to acting. So you know, for example, I said to my 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 second husband, I was running the company, I had no kids, the house was always clean, I was exhausted, and I said, I need you to help. I need you to cook a meal occasionally. He go, I don't cook. Well, I said, well, neither do you. No, I never thought that. Scary, man. Well, I think for me, going back to my little question, because I've got to back up now, um, is, is to learn for both parties to really listen and then to learn how to act in a way that both parties can act on those listening skills. Thanks, Thank you. So, um, yeah, thanks, Deb. And, and what I, I, I've just... Uh, what I'm conscious of is uh, of is a time thing in terms of because I want to share this and I want everybody to listen. But what I also want to do is I would I feel like it would be really nice to hear from each of you um, just a little bit of, of what Deb has just done, where she's kind of expressed what she would like. So to to kind of finish this this um, this conversation. Yeah, it'd be great to hear from each of you. You know, how how's this been for you? What have you got out of it? What what insights? But also, what would you like for yourself and for men and women um, as you as you step forward? So, yeah, one at a time. I, um, I'll I'll start again because then I'll I'll leave you all to talk for longer. But I um I had a conversation the other day about you know with with a guy about the fact that you know women and most of us will have experienced this we don't feel safe walking down the street of a night time for example um you know where you're looking over your shoulder or you get making a plan of how you could attack somebody somebody came you know i think that's a general feeling for most women that you know we walk past we walk past building sites and there's people jeering at you. You're walking down an alleyway in the dark and you're feeling... What he was... This person was Sorry. offering was, was, what can I do to actually make women feel more comfortable? If I'm walking behind them in a dark lane, do I walk at a distance so that they feel more comfortable? I, I, I feel like that's just a shame. We should all be able to move around this planet freely. So I think that we need to have conversations and education at early age. We need early intervention for people that are damaged or discarded or just, you know, um, like we know that people that aren't, aren't well cared for, well loved and feel like they have a sense of community will create, will, you know, um, will hurt other people they'll they'll um you know they'll murder they become terrorists what whatever we need to have early intervention at every level so that people feel like they are loved and and you know and part of our community i don't want my son to have to walk around tenderly around his life i want him to live as full a life as he can I want women to live as full a life as we can. 
So I think we need, like, I honestly bless you, Malcolm, for bringing this conversation together, all these people mm-hmm. together, so that we can, that, that we can, we can come towards a solution together. Rather than this us and them, I just, just can't see any way forward with that. I really can't. Beautiful. Hey, um, just, uh, just, just very quickly, I think it might be you, Ange, but whoever, can, can you guys, if one person's speaking, can you just mute? Just, um, I think. Uh, it's probably me, because I've just yeah. joined a film crew in a pub. <laughs> so I'm moving outside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just, just, yeah just hit mute. Okay. You should be able to mute on the. On the oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. All right. What do you want to speak, Ange, seeing as you're on? Um, look, I don't have much to add because I think we're kind of all feeling the same things. I think there's a couple of things. Um, vote <laughs> and do everything that you can to get everybody you know to vote because I think it makes a difference. I really do. There are so many people that have been encouraged to go into politics who actually make a difference in our lives. So vote for your school board, vote for your local council, and vote for, your, for the people that run your country. It actually makes a massive difference. And a lot of people who care don't vote, and I, I think it's really important. Something personal that I've done on a small level is realise that as a feminist, I need to stop worrying about what other people wear. So if a girl walks past me in tiny little shorts and a crop top, I'm like, whoa. But you know what? We've got to stop telling women what to do, although I'm telling you what to do. So that's just something that I've done on a small scale, and it's really shifted my perspective because I realized that by being one of those women that went, oh, my God, you can't wear leggings. They're not pants. I was myself just behaving in an extension of the way where women are not allowed to express themselves, be themselves, or just do what they want the same way that guys do what they want. But those are just little kind of personal things for me that have changed my outlook, but I think have been really useful in then uh, informing how I look at other things. Um, I think it's great that we're talking and Malcolm, I think it's awesome what you are doing and you're very brave to do it because there's a lot of women that will go, why is a guy in this conversation? This is a women's conversation, but no, in line with what has just been said, it is not a he, it's not a a us against them conversation. We definitely need to to work on this um, together. And I, it's just one thing that came up before. I think maybe people don't say anything because they feel like they won't be heard. And, the, and creating environments where women are heard and supporting them when they do speak out, I think is probably the key thing. Women don't speak out because they get punished for it or they get ignored. But if we can, within our own spheres, create environments where women can speak out, then we're already making huge steps. I agree with you very much. Everyone, thank you for participating in this. I've learned a lot. Um, This is Olivia speaking. And I just wanted to say, um, I want to second that. What I'd like to get out of this is, you know, not us not telling women what to do, whether it's a woman or a man, 
Um, that being, you know, just from the simplest, like when you walk by a guy on the street and he tells you to smile, um, that infuriates me to no end. And also um, being uh, sort of expected to take care of, um, of men, uh, at least in my experience, like making the meals and you know, making sure that they remember the birthdays and anniversaries of family members and things like that, sort of protecting them from their own responsibility. I would love to have, you know, somebody that did that for me, but at the same time, I don't think it's very realistic and, and that that expectation has been put on women a lot. And um, I, I'm very resentful of that role and it's been really hard to find a partner that is willing to kind of share that responsibility and not be resentful about it because the expectation is still there that I'm going to provide this for them. So mm -hmm. I would like to just yep. see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people just being more participatory and, and just taking yeah. care of themselves, whether it's a man or a woman. <laughs> yeah. I hear so. you, Olivia. I think that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'll go next if you like, Mel, or anybody else. Hey, um, Angela, we can still hear that pub. <laughs> I don't know if you can mute. Um, that's better, thank you. Um, it's Brigida. And Mel, you asked right at the beginning and you've kind of reinforced that question, you know, why are we here and, and what do we want out of this conversation? Um, and I don't want to open up a whole new area, but I guess what I want to get out of this is I want to know how to be with men. Uh, everything that has worked for me for the past few decades in um, me being someone who's quite tactile, someone who gives compliments to both men and women. Um, you know, I work with men in environments where they are very vulnerable and I want to have, I've always felt free to, you know, hold those men and hug those men in a professional context. And now there are so many messages coming at me that I can't do that or I shouldn't do that or it's inappropriate or I'm not respecting boundaries. So something that men have been hearing for a long time in relation to women, um, I'm now really confused about. Uh, and it shows up for me professionally because of the type of work I do. And, you know, Malcolm and I had an experience a few months ago where we did a retreat together and it just turned out that it was an all-male retreat and I was the only woman and it, woman and it was really confronting to know how to be in that environment so I don't know what the answer is that's quite a big question but how how do we all need to be with each other um, physically professionally in our families uh, that is appropriate and respectful but reflects the kind of new reality um, of, of this context and the other thing um, I just wanted to say was that um, you know, is that there was mention of women not feeling that they want to speak up because they don't feel heard. And I think a lot of men are not speaking up, as Mal said, because they don't feel safe to speak up. So women don't always feel safe. There's so much criticism and tearing down out there. But I knew the minute I got on this call with a group of women and with Mal, because I know him intimately and his, his um, sexuality has always been in question, as he likes to say, um, I felt safe. But I don't think there are many environments where men feel safe 
to have this sort of conversation and you know totally praise and and respect you around this Mel because I know you are trying and working really hard to create some environments like that but that is so unusual for men to go into a space where it is safe to talk about this stuff so what is our role as women if we can let go of, oh my God, the poor saps, they're just, they're useless and they're not as smart as us and all that stuff. What is our role in helping to create a safe environment for men to feel hurt as well? Yeah, that's good. Very good. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. I totally agree. <laughs> Thanks, Bryce. And, and you know, that, that last question, because my intention next week is I've got a, a group of men who are going to be listening to this, this podcast and, um, and re reflecting and responding on everything they've heard. And that last question you've just posed is going to be a very good, you know, question for us to explore because, um, you know, I, I certainly, I, I, you know, I, I could give an answer that one of the, you know, uh, the intention from where I think has been talked about on this call as well, you know, What's our intention? Where are we coming from? How are we, you know, what's the intention of bringing to a cake, you know, bringing a cake into the room, right? And and all this stuff is going to, so it's going to be fascinating. Because um, I'm with you, man. I, I, I want to be in a situation where I'm, I'm free to hug whomever I want in whatever situation and environment I want, knowing that my intention is pure and it's been received in the way that it's intended. And that's the gray area that I see right now. It's all just fucking, <laughs> you know, yeah. and so, so where, where, where we're at is just in a state of fear. So we're not doing anything out of fear. And that's, um, that just doesn't work for me. It's not a planet I want to be in or want to live in. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's back to that, that point I raised before around where, where are you coming from? Something I totally stole from you. You know, where, what is your intention? Where are you coming from? Because when you're coming from a true place, if we can tap into our intuition, people will learn to know that it's a true place. It's not a, a dark place or a sexualized place or an anything place. It's with true, pure intent to connect and love each other. You know, that, that's... How do we educate ourselves, our children, and young people around how to come from that place? Yeah. Beautiful. Now, Deb, do you have um, do you have anything to, to say to finish no, off? No, I, thought, I think everybody said it all. It's beautiful. It's really clear. Um, and I'm really curious to see how it gets transcribed. It's lovely to be uh, heard. Thanks, Deb. Now, um, yeah, I, I um, so I just wholeheartedly want to thank each and every one of you guys. Guys, I want <laughs> snapped. Ah, fuck. <laughs> so, as you can see, it's a, it's a it's a learning process. But I want to thank each and every one of you for part participating on the call. And like I said, I've got this group of guy, uh, a group of men. Um, next week, who are who are going to be who are going to be doing the very similar thing to what you have done, and then what I would really love to do is then have both groups come together and have having you, uh, you woman having listened to what the men have got to say, and then I'd just like us to come together and have a bit of a and and then to to bridge to bridge this gap that you guys have talked about or 
or whatever. And and who knows where that that'll lead. But so that'll my my intention will be for in a couple of weeks' time to do that. So I really hope that each one of you will be available to to get on that to get on that call and to see see what happens. Hey. Yeah, sounds great. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Good to meet you all. Bye. 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 Thank you. If anybody wants to stay on afterwards and have a chat to me personally, feel free. Uh, I'm going to hang on just for a little bit of a moment. Yeah, nobody's getting off.